We have a new announcement for this episode of Four Orbs, and it's an announcement that we have partnered with Battle Bards. Battle Bards is an amazing library of cinematic style music. Weapon sounds. Spells. And my favorite, the lush soundscapes. Head on over to BattleBards.com and check out their options to help bring depth to your tabletop game. Just use coupon code ORBS for your special deal. I really wanted to showcase what BattleBards can do in this episode, so every musical score and soundscape used in this episode was made by the various artists from their roster. Other than the Four Orbs theme song, of course. I can't leave that out of one of our episodes. Here is 724. Darkness has enveloped the land of Mithron for over 700 years. After escaping that winter wasteland and exiting the darkness, the five of you have grown used to the sun on your skin and the soft touch of life in the land of Yin. For three months, you have found a place to settle and rest here. This land with a 20-mile circumference is surrounded by the darkness of Mithron. You were the first people to find this land since the early days when Mithron was first covered in darkness. Doroth! You have requested for Finch and his new Crimson Command cadets to discuss a security presence. Finch! Doroth, my old friend, how are you? How are you? This theater, it looks great, man. It looks great. Hi, I'm well. Thanks for asking. Yes, welcome to the Doroth Fabe Groman Kyle Memorial Performance Art Theater. Ah, uh, yes, these must be your men. Yes, yes, they're, uh, they're... They're doing okay. They're, they're, uh, I think we're ready to handle anything that could go down here. I hope your men are ready for opening night, because I will not have any roughhousing in this Difka Kempa. Do you hear that, men? There will be no sort of roughhousing other than what is on the stage and planned by Dorf. But we're going to have to be on our way. I've still got some things to teach these boys before the sun goes down. Well, that's fine, too. I'll... I guess I'll see you later. We'll see you in a day or two. Doroth, you watch as Finch walks back up the stairs to his cadets. You take a look at the seven cadets and some start to walk out the exit slowly, waiting for Finch to catch up. But one stays. Then a flash of light fills your eyes, and this man turns instantly into one of the cloaked figures that attacked Gamora. What? What the fuck? He then squats down, tilts his head curiously, and then another flash of light blinds you. You rub your eyes and look up where he was again, but no one is there. 
Who the fuck was that? Finch, as you are leaving the stadium with your six cadets, you cross over the bridge of heroes towards your guild hall on the riverbank. Then something catches your eye on the bridge. A man swipes a pack from a citizen walking into Yen. This thief is darting across the bridge towards Neucalia. Fuck it, dude. I'll take the shot. The arrow flies true, hitting the bandit in the ankle, making him trip and fall to the ground. Astra and Keth, after recovering from your physical ailments pretty quickly, the two of you went out into the land of Yin to see what life was like here for the populace. What really caught your eye in Yin was the housing surrounding Lake Vias. On the north side of the river was the land taken by Rodanians centuries ago. These Rodanians practiced slavery. This angered the two of you, and when crossing the Bridge of Heroes back into Yin, you started to design a plan of action to free the slaves. One of Astra's students from the school approaches you. Mr. Keth, Mr. Keth, I need you real quick. What, what, what is it, little one? Something's happening in the cellar. What, what do you mean? What's happening? You, you might need to go check it out. Okay. I, I hear some noises down there. You see a fighter in breastplate and a hooded cowl tries to strike you with a staff. Astra, it's your turn. Oh, shit. Wait, what? Y'all fighting. Why are we fighting? Hit him. What am I doing? He's going to hit you. Hit Do him. I need to roll initiative? Hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. I'm going to try to snatch the staff out of her hand. You take hold of the staff and yank it out of her hand. Yeah. Your turn, Asher. I cast Chromatic Orb. All right. So first, give me the attack roll for the Chromatic Orb. 20. All right. That's a hit, Astra. So give us the damage for Chromatic Orb twice. 10, 11. So 21 total. Mm-hmm. So 21 damage, Keth, goes to you. It's a, uh, a ball of frost hits you square in the chest. And as you're being like thrust back from the force. Seven, 70. 70. Each creature within 30 feet of you becomes invisible for the next minute. Oh, shit. The invisibility <laughs> ends on a creature when it attacks or casts a spell. <laughs> so I just hit Keth real hard and then he just fucking disappeared. Keth, you're on your back invisible. Now, what what did you do? Keth, what happened? Did I kill you? Are you dead? Is are you a ghost? What no, happened? No, I'm, I'm still here. What what did you do? Why was why are people yelling upstairs? Uh, I I don't know. Let me go check. The two of you go to the end of the hall to a balcony door. Your rooms are on opposite sides of this hallway. The balcony door opens up behind you. Another student stands at the door waiting. Miss Astra, someone's at the front door for you. Uh, okay, I'll be right there. Maybe maybe it's just another party guest. Okay, well, I'll go see who it is. I'll be back, I guess. You watch as the silhouette of a man walks up to the lake. He stands at the water's edge briefly, and then he takes a jug of some sort and pours a liquid glowing a neon green into the lake. He then walks quickly away. Uh, The liquid, did it kind of spread and and dissipate through the water, or is it still kind of glowing as I walked away? It kind of is almost like it sank, like went straight to the bottom. Astra, as you approach the door, you see two figures standing on the porch behind the stained glass of your door's window. As you open the door, you see Ovid Lar's decaying face hidden beneath his cloak. It looks worse than you remember. And then to the left of him, you see a small woman facing away from the door. She turns and looks at you with a soft smile and says, Astra, we need to talk. Thelamir, for the last three months you have been studying the details that the scholars of Yin have written and provided to the libraries and archives. Most documents are historical records of the societal changes and conflicts between the citizens of Yin and the Rodanian soldiers trapped here with them. You have rewritten several documents and added it to your collection, piecing together what you think are clues, hints, or any sort of direction to a couple of the mysteries you have focused in on. Hunched over and writing furiously, a small gust of wind pushes against you. You take notice, but being in the middle of writing a sentence, 
You try to finish your thoughts, but then your quill runs dry, it seems. You dip it in the inkwell quickly to get back to it, but it won't write. You look behind you, 50 feet away, at the end of an aisle of books. You see a middle-aged man standing and looking directly at you. His face is stern, and he stands still, staring directly at you. He begins to walk towards you, Felomir. I assume you received my design. You've been seeking power and knowledge from me since I tested you with your friend's death. Have you already forgotten his discovery with the white orb so soon? What are you, what are you talking about? He sacrificed himself to me. That was supposed to push you closer to me. I'm not sure who you're referring to. Your friend, Aaron. Aaron? You've forgotten. What do you mean, closer to you? White orb? You don't know who I am? I can't say that I do. I assumed my presence would make my seekers aware. So, so that means that you are... I am the creator, of course. The one you refer to as the Great Old One. I brought balance to this world 724 years ago. I am Remora. As auditions and practice lingered on, Doran, your focus had waned after seeing one of Finch's cadets morph into a shadowy figure. As performers missed notes in the song and sang slightly off pitch, you didn't even notice. The only thing running through your mind is that strange appearance and disappearance of the shadowy figure. And you're not sure what your options you have to handle this are. Do you attack the next time you see him? Do you run? Do you scream to bring attention to yourself? Well, you know Finch is available so you have settled on starting there. The same day after his visit, when practice is over, you rush out of the amphitheater to head across the bridge. And as you start across the bridge, you see a man in brown clothes running towards you with a satchel clutched to his chest. You halt and kind of prep yourself to either dodge out of his way or maybe do something a little more chaotic. <laughs> but then an arrow whizzes through the air from the south and impels the man's ankle, tripping him to the ground and falling face first into the stone bridge. I wish I could make this shit up. <laughs> I want to walk up to him and to his prone body. Uh, uh, what? What the fuck? Well, how did you end up in this predicament? Ah, he takes a dagger and just swipes at you horizontally from the ground. Does a 15 hit? No. He swipes at you at, his, at your shins and you just easily jump out of the way and you look back at him. Whoa! And I want to pull out my rapier and point it at him. Uh, Fine. He just like kind of tosses his dagger at your feet. You just stay here. And I'm going to look up and like look around and see what he was running from. Give me a perception check. Mm, eight. Looking around, you can't really see much because of your height disadvantage, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, the stone bridge has like really high parapets along the side. And so at your height of a person... You can't see over the parapets to see where it came from to the south because it like basically went parallel with the river onto the bridge. But the satchel is here though, right? It is. I want to like, I still want to have the rapier pointed at him, but take my other hand and go, oh, stealing, I see. He kind of like scoots back afraid for a second and lets you take the satchel. I want to look through it. All right. Uh, give me a investigation check. Seven. <laughs> 
you find the obvious goods. Uh, there is a coin purse inside that has four gold pieces in it. All right. Um, and I then there's just some like knickknacks of like small, like a small sack of nuts, basically rations. And then there's like some parchment with no nothing written on it. We'll say there's a knife. All right. Just uh, random stuff. Let's see. Um. Okay. I want to take one of the gold pieces. Do the gold pieces have something printed on each side? It actually has a Rodanian symbol printed on it. Uh, okay. What you've come to find out over the last three months is that there's Rodanian printed gold and then there's Yinian printed gold. Okay. But there's a heads and a tails? Yes. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do for you today. And I'm going to take one of the pieces out and flip it. Call it. C call, call it? Heads or tails, call it. You've done this before. What? What's what's the verdict going to be? Well, I mean, we'll see. What happens if it's heads? I might let you go. What happens if it's tails? Well, I mean, it depends on what you call. You know how this works. But you didn't say what, what the options are. Heads or tails? No, I mean, what happens on which? Sounds like you just have your, your mind made up inside your head and you're not going to let me have a 50% chance. <laughs> well, call it, man. I mean... <laughs> Uh, heads. Tails. What does that mean? That means you stay here. I want to look around again. Give me a, uh, you go and kind of like lean up on the, like on the parapet and just kind of pull yourself up just, just a little bit. Okay. And you look around, uh, give me another perception check. Hey, 23. All right. You actually see Finch and five of his cadets running along the river shoreline. And there's like this dwarf that's like lingering <laughs> far behind trying to catch up. But you see that they're turn like running towards the bridge, and you're thinking maybe this arrow came from Finch. <sighs> Thank God, Finch! Finch, give me a perception check. Fourteen. As you uh, step foot on the bridge, you can't see your target that you hit, but you do hear Doroth's voice scream out on the other side. Finch, Doroth, over here! Do you have them? As you uh, reach the peak of the bridge to look down the other side, you do see Doroth like standing over him with a rapier pointed at him. Yes, great job, Doroth. Great. Keep him there. I have vanquished the foe. I guess I'll approach. All right. Yeah, you get closer and you see this man just like prone on his belly. He's got like a scuffed up face now from the fall and you've got an arrow right in his ankle. I guess I'll walk up to him like, what do you think you're doing? Why? Well, he's not very lucky. <laughs> As we can see. I'll grab, I guess, the bag and maybe kind of look through it a little bit. Yeah, you look through it and you see what I... Uh, well, give me, another, give me an investigation check, actually. All right. Three. You find pretty much the same amount of stuff that Doroth found. Just a bunch of weird knickknacks. Do I see the person in the distance whom it was stolen from? Uh, no. The person that he stole it from doesn't seem to be around. Why did you take this? I'm, I'm just a simple thief. A simple thief who has taken a bag from a person who, for some reason, doesn't seem to care about it. Why do you have this bag? Why were you running? I was told to take it. From who? Give me an intimidation check. Can Do I still have the rapier out? Yeah. Can I have advantage? Yeah, you can have advantage for that. I only got nine. Even do with an advantage. Roll advantage. Oh, shit. Sorry. That's a little better. 18. <sighs> if you take this, if you can take this arrow out of my leg, my ankle, and... Help me recover for a second. I'll tell you. As I start to walk towards his ankle, I'm going to say, and, I, and I'm going to put a, like a, maybe my right foot on his calf and then grip the arrow with my left hand and say, how about you tell me 
who told you to take this, and then I'll take it out, and I'll kind of put a little pressure on the arrow. I want to look up at Finch with, like, kind of a, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, like, screams in pain as you do that and then just passes out. I'll just take the arrow out, I guess. Finch, you hurt him. He deserved it. You, you take the arrow out? Is it only if I think I can do it without causing him to, like, bleed to death? Based on him passing out, you can assume that his, uh, he's not handi- he's not handling this very well. All right, I'll just leave it in him. Um, I'll call out to one of my other men, um, get this man some medical attention, and then uh, I'll throw the bag over my shoulder like right. I'm going to take it with me back to the hold. Cadet Bork actually kind of walks over and picks the man up that's unconscious, like underneath his armpits, and just kind of carries him over to the side of the bridge. And then uh, Cadet Isley walks over and uh, starts to do a like a medicine check, basically doing some bandaging to his ankle. And yeah, she succeeds, barely. Um, <laughs> she pulls the arrow out and then like bandages it quickly and keeps pressure on it so that he doesn't bleed out if that was a thing. Cool. Um, and then do we have cells in our? Uh... We can say you have like oh like one big cell. Yeah, one holding cell or something. Yeah, um, maybe like a Andy Griffith situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as Isley and Bork are tending to the man, uh, Groon walks over to you. Oh wow, Captain Finch, you got him right in the foot. Well, we have no room for thieves on the line. There will be peace if I have anything to say about it. The the dwarf walks over to the parapet and like kind of takes his arms and puts it up and kind of like looks over it like you did, Doris, trying to get a better view since he's kind of short. Yeah. Uh, and looks over at the outpost in the guild hall from the distance and says, You shot him from that far? That's like a thousand feet away. Well, I have been practicing, and if you guys keep practicing, one day you will also be... You know, able to do these sorts of Crimson Command elite things. You have to trust me, and you have to trust the ways of the command. For the record, it's not a thousand feet away. Dwarves are just really bad at math. Uh, well. It's like 400 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I'll let them build up the story. <laughs> well, what do you think we should do now, Finch? Well, I think he has more to tell us than he has already, so I believe that maybe we should take him to the holding cell for the night, and when he wakes up, we will interrogate him once more and... You know, if we can't find anything, we can't hold him forever, so we'll eventually have to let him go, but I'm hoping we can get some more information. All right. I'll help Bork carry him. And he walks over to the uh, the man and, like, kind of gets down on his, like, tippy toes, like, kind of at a squat. Nice. He takes his ankles and puts them on his shoulder ready to go. <laughs> but Bork is just kind of looking around like, what? <laughs> I'm like, go on, Bork. Help him out. He's eager. Okay. And he picks up... Uh, Picks up the man from his shoulders, and they start to walk back to the guild hall. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. How much did you see? What what what, what happened? Like, where did the person go that the bag came from? Oh, I don't know. I just saw a guy running at me, and then he fell. Hmm. Did he say anything else to you? No. Well, I appreciate you securing the position and making sure that he stayed put. Well, I mean, I do what I can. Oh, wait. Uh, Finch, Um, before you leave, can, can we talk? Well... Yeah, I've got some time, sure. Anything for a friend. Okay, um, can can it not be here? Yeah, would you like to come back with us to the to the hall? Yeah, that that's perfect, actually. Thank you. Okay, sure, yeah. Come this, this way. Be like shifting my eyes around. Like, oh, he might be listening. <laughs> he could be anybody. <laughs> Two of you trailed the cadets that were following uh, Bork and Groon, who were carrying the downed bandit, and get back to the guild hall. 
So as you uh, get to the guild hall, Doroth, this is actually your first time coming here. Finch kind of opens up the door and lets you in first, and you see basically what looks like a hunting lodge inside. It's like very log cabiny, and there's couches surrounding this fireplace. There's separate rooms for all the cadets, it seems. Uh, maybe like to, like they're bunked together in some rooms. But there's also a very fresh smell of like a good stew that's going right now. How 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 long has it been since I've eaten? You probably haven't eaten all day. Oh, it's very nice in here. And the smells. It's so filling. Oh, yes. Groon is quite the cook, actually. Um, oh, yeah. You want some of my stew? Groon's stew is the best stew. Can I roll an insight check? Sure. How good is this stew? It's going to be a 19. Well, you know, you've had experience with dwarves before, and when they get this excited, usually it's for a reason. Okay. Yeah, I call it Groon Donson Stew. I will have some of this Groon Donson Stew. Thanks, Drew Johnson of the You Simply Must podcast for the iTunes review. This one's named after you. Wow. Groon Donson. <laughs> Groon Donson. Um, I'm going to assume that I kind of maybe have an office or like an office slash bunk that's dedicated solely to me. Dorothy, follow me into my office. Uh, Groon, if you wouldn't mind, could we get two bowls of the stew? In oh, here? of course. Thank you, thank you. And uh, we'll walk in and kind of close the door behind us. Vince, you actually have like a desk. You have a pretty nice office. Um, you do lots of documentation for the Crimson Command because you know if this ever leads back outside Mithron, then maybe they could use this documentation that you're keeping track of. So he's got two chairs in front of his desk, Dorth, and one behind his desk where he goes and sits. Okay, I want to stand in one of the desks, or one of the uh, chairs, I mean. So first and foremost, I was hoping that we could discuss the uh, payment for the security of the event. Okay, what, uh, what else did you want to discuss about it? Um, just the specifics, you know, how much exactly this is going to be costing me. You said two gold per soldier? Per day? Yes, Doroth, I did. I'm sorry, but I think that's a very fair rate for what we're offering you. Well, I just want to know. I just want to know what kind of, what kind of income we're going to be getting here at the. I'm sorry, I can't. One of your dudes transformed in front of me earlier today, and I just can't stop thinking about it. I'm going to sit up a little more alert in my chair. What do you mean, one of my people changed? So when you all walked in, there were seven of you in all. You and Six cadets, and when you were leaving, there were seven. And the last one that went through the door transformed into Velmir? I don't know. Velmir? He looked familiar. He had horns and a black cloak, and he turned around and faced me, and it's it's freaking me out, man. No, this is this is incredibly alarming. I, I don't know. I can only imagine what you saw. There's only I only have six cadets, and then there's myself. Um there was definitely a seventh. Well, I don't remember. We didn't have a seventh when, he, when we went in. We didn't have a seventh when we got back. Oh, 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 oh. excuse me. I'm just bringing you your bowls of soup. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Thank you, Groon. Uh, just right here on the desk. Thank you, look, you. You look over at Groon, and he's got like a white apron on, and it's got little <laughs> frills along the side of it, and he's got his beard kind of tied into like a, little, like a braid so it's not getting in the food, and he comes and puts it on the uh, desk. He puts the two bowls on the desk for you. Oh, also, uh, the prisoner's awake. And then he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start eating my stew. Well, if he starts to take it bite, I'll definitely also take a bite. So it's very delicious. Awesome. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> well, do you have to go and interview the prisoner? 
Um, I, I the 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 prisoner can wait. I I think uh, this what you have seen seems pretty important. Maybe we should discuss this. Well, what what if he has something to do with it? I mean, maybe. So, where did this? Did you see this seventh person appear? No, just like, or were they? They just eventually were there. They were just there, Finch. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I wasn't paying that close attention. Could Velmir shapeshift? Could he just appear like that? I wouldn't put it past him. When was the last time you communicated with him? Before we left the mines. Hmm. Once I find out, found out that he could track us through that, I stopped. That's probably a wise decision. Okay. Hmm. I guess. Do you want to sit here and enjoy the stew, or do you want to come with me to uh? You want to help me interrogate? Oh, I'm coming. All right, let's do this. Wanna, I'm going to pick up my bowl. Yeah, I want to pick mine up <laughs> off the table and just like walk with it. Yeah, we'll both walk and eat on our way to the, to the holding <laughs> cell. All right. In fact, I want the whole interrogation process. I want to be pretty casual just like eating my stew throughout the whole thing. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you walk uh, back into like the common area of the lodge and go into the kitchen where there's like a cellar door. You keep the holding cell in the basement of this room and you head down and you see like it's basically where like the you have food stock, but it's not like surplus right now. It's it's kind of limited, um, but there's just like one six foot by six foot cage basically built into the corner of the room. And the guy is just sitting up in the corner, like holding at his ankle in pain, basically. Oh, don't worry. You'll be fine. It hurts. I'm sure it does. I hit you with an arrow. You don't have like any kind of healing or anything you can do for me? Um, I think you'll be all right for now. Tell me your name, thief. Mikey. Mikey Rindich. Thanks, Mikey Hendrick, for the iTunes review. Hey! Wow. <laughs> you shot your own brother. <laughs> Who told you to steal the bag? Give me another intimidation check. Yeah, sir, I can't help on this. So I'm not looking intimidating at all right Six. now. Six. I mean, if you're helping, I mean, if you want to speak in. I'm not helping. Okay. I'm mean, eating. Look, if I tell you, they're going to kill me. You told me if I took the arrow out of your ankle that you would tell me. And now you don't have an arrow in there. Do you want me to put another one in? Well, that was before you put me in a cage. Okay, do you want another arrow in your other ankle? You'll kill me. No, I'll just put an arrow in your ankle. Tell me who told you to take the bag. I'll take you there, but I won't tell you who they are. I don't trust them. I'm going to take a bite as well. <laughs> what? So I don't trust them. I don't trust them either. See, what I want to walk up. What I don't understand is, why would you rather walk up to where they are? <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> why would you risk walking up with your own body to where they are to show us where they are instead of just telling us here where you're relatively safe? It makes no sense. I don't trust it. If I show you where they are, you got to let me go. Give me a name. Show me where they are. You're free. Once we get there, I'll tell you the name. Do you know what was in the bag? Just some coin, probably, right? Yeah, probably. I'm going to turn around and walk out. All right. So I want to just keep eating, <laughs> like looking at him. <laughs> All right. So Fetch goes upstairs and you're going to stay down there, Doris? Just well, eating, and, eating and looking at him? I'm not going to stay, but I just want to be the last to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> He just kind of stares back at you. He doesn't seem to be like scared now that he's not on the bridge for some reason. You're in trouble. <laughs> These people aren't even the guards. 
I don't even know who they are. You know, I'd I'd be more scared of them. This is good. And then leave. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get back upstairs, Finch, uh, Doris seems to be delaying behind you for some reason. Uh, Groon is at the counter and he has the satchel that the bandit took and he has like emptied it out. And you see like, like I said before, like uh, the four coins and a coin purse and then like a little bag of rations, a knife. And he's still kind of digging at the bottom of the bag. What do you got, Groon? Uh, there's something in the lining of this bag at the bottom. Tear it apart. Just just break it? Cut it up. But it's somebody's satchel. It's no, it's our satchel now. Oh, okay. And he takes the knife from the bag and just starts to kind of like poke and pry, like poke and pry at it. And eventually he like breaks the leather at the bottom and six rubies fall out. Ooh. Doris enters the room. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, rubies. I kind of look at Grun. Do you really think it was all about money? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe we could ask, uh, if we, we need somebody who might know a little bit of magic or something. I know someone. Who's that? Doroth, you know some magic, don't you? Well, I mean, what kind of magic? I'm hoping that's what you can tell me. I'll have a look. Give me an arcana check first. 20. So something you notice as you kind of like just kind of pushing the rubies around with your finger is that some sides are very coarse while the others are very smooth and you kind of flip them around and then take one into your palm. And as you take one into your palm, you start feeling it to heat up a little bit hmm. and it's getting hotter. I'll put it down. This one's getting hot. Hot? I'm going to pick it up. Oh, while he's picking it up and looking at it, I want to point out the fact like... Like, oh, one of these, one of the sides is, is rough, and this side is rough, but this side is smooth. It's kind of spinning around in my hand. As you put it in your palm, you do feel it start to heat up, and it starts to get hotter. I'm going to kind of like hot potato it back and forth between my hands. It stays cool in that sense. I'm going to hold on to it in my other hand. It starts to get hot. I'm just going to hold on to it as long as I can. And then it gets hotter, and then it gets hotter. Isn't give, it getting hot? Give me a constitution save. 11. You take one point of fire damage. And then I drop it real quick. <laughs> and, you, and you have like a burn mark in the center of your palm. Yeah, like shaking my hand to the side. What if these were meant to explode? Do you think? I don't know. What happens when they touch each other? Were they touching each other? They were touching each other in the bag. Hmm. Is it just the three of us in the room? Uh, Your other cadets are kind of just kind of lingering in the common room, but they're not really paying attention to you. They're all eating. Um, I'm going to call over. Is it? Kano or Con- Kono? Connor? Con- oh, I didn't write the R. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Connor, Sergeant Hector, come to me. Lieutenant Connor walks over from the common room. He says, hey, Finch, uh, Sergeant's up in the keep, up in the lookout. So this is Lieutenant? Yeah. Okay. Lieutenant, have you ever seen any magical items such as this? Mm, I don't really do much with the magic. You ever heard of anything like this? You hold it. It gets hotter. It gets hotter until it burns you. I mean, a friend of mine used to do some alchemy, and he uh, he used to have these things called exploding rocks, but that doesn't look like those. Hmm. They were more charcoal looking. So maybe they don't explode. Maybe they're maybe they're a source for something, or maybe even a fuse. All right. Well, Lieutenant, I've interrogated the thief further. Yeah? He has given me his name, Mikey Rinditch. And, uh, Mikey Rinditch. Never heard that name before. He says that if we let him go, he will show us where the people are 
that told him to take this bag. Well, that sounds like a good plan. I think so, too. Then we can maybe get an ambush on him, you know? Who are these people? Can we take them? We're going to find out. You said Hector was in the lookout right now? Sergeant Hector. Yeah, he's in the lookout. Hmm. Don't maybe bring another voice into this, please. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on just a second. I don't want to go in there blind or anything. I'm just... Let me try something real quick. Okay. Okay. Was there anything else in the cell? Like anything? Not in the, the cell itself, but like the whole room. Any like objects? Anything laying around? Yeah, there was, I'm, I'm literally, sure... He, he probably has a pail to piss and poop and in. And it was kind of like a sparse pantry basement style yeah. thing, yeah. Okay. There's probably some food items. All right. Least. The pail he has yeah. to piss in. Uh, I'm going I'm going to cast Magic Mouth. All right. So you want to cast a Magic Mouth on the pail. Yes, that I will retcon that I remember seeing yep. when, when I was in the cell. That's, that's perfectly fine. Okay. I'll like prepare it for the minute or whatever. And then, since it's a spell that says anything that doesn't have a mouth just has a mouth, I want the mouth to appear on the pail and say, <clears throat> face me. Can you hear it? Like, <laughs> hear whatever? Are you well, just it, saying these things and not really wanting to know what he's doing? Um, Because you can't see him from in the kitchen. Then I can't hear anything? I mean, unless he out, like yet shouts, probably. Okay, I'm gonna need Speak to loud. I'm, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna need to sneak closer than. Okay, so you want to like yes, open like crack the door silently and kind of position yourself at the top of the stairs. Yes. Okay, give me a uh, stealth check. So many rolls here. Twenty-two. All right, you have snuck onto the top of the stairs. Face me! Who, who is that? Down here. Down where? I don't see anything. You think you can just piss and shit in me and not owe me nothing? What the fuck? It is I, the piss pail. Who are you? I, I'm Mikey. I'm sorry I won't piss in you anymore. I just thought this is what you were here for. No, I'm not asking that. I actually kind of like it. <laughs> who are you? Who? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> What are you What are you doing here? I I'm, I was captured by these guys. I don't even know who they are. Who are they? I'll ask the questions here. Who sent you? Somebody paid me to take that bag, but it wasn't really a, a snatch job. They were ready for me to take it. Really? Yeah. Who paid you? I don't have a name. Describe them to me. It, it's a group. They're called the Cloak. The Cloak? Give me a uh, history check. Uh, <laughs> this is important. I'm going to use one of my lucky dice because that was a crit miss. 18. So in your three months time that you spent here, you know that there's a rumored thieves guild that mm -hmm. kind of exists within Yin. Um, no one knows who they are, where they are, why they are, nothing. Like there's like no reasoning other than that. Sometimes these like brutes for the thieves guild for the cloak will show up to people's houses and ask for a third tax if like they're a neutral party, for example. Okay. Like a, like an extortion kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Interesting. I've heard of this group. Yeah. They, they tried to, uh, I lived on the riverbank and I've been paying my taxes, right? But they wanted, 
They wanted more money out of me. And I just couldn't do it, so they told me to do this job and I wouldn't have to pay the taxes to them. Interesting. You were less of a miscreant than I thought. And I wanted to spell. The, the, the so the spell. mouth just disappears? <laughs> yeah. Wait, can, can I poop? I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can, can I poop? Hey. Come back. Okay, so Finch, I have some <laughs> some details for you. Oh, okay. What did you get? Okay. So he was commanded to do this by a thieves guild called the Cloak. You've heard of them? Give me a history check, Finch. Nine. You haven't heard of them. No, I don't, actually, I don't think I have, Dorth. Who are they? Well, they do, you know, extortions, you know, petty thievery. Things of that nature. You know, the third tax. How have we not heard about this yet? You should really pay attention to these guys. Well, actually, if you'd like to be taken to their headquarters, Mikey will do that for us. Are any of the other people still around, like Groon and uh, the Lieutenant? Yeah, we'll say Gr- Groon and Connor are. I'll just kind of look at them to see what their facial expressions are telling me. They, You, you look at uh, Connor, he's like, I mean, I think it's a good idea, you know? We can... uh. Maybe take out one thing. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, though, maybe we should take it easy on Mikey. He seemed to have just gotten wrapped up in this. As in he was being extorted. Basically, yes. Forced, okay. It's very unfair what they're doing to the great people of Yin. We will do something about this. Do you want me to start assembling people now? Sure. Um, okay, well, I've got to figure out who I'm leaving behind if I'm going to always keep someone in the tower. Yep. Uh, so someone with the bow. Oh, nice. You got some, some real-time strategy elements to your character now. <laughs> <laughs> probably don't. Short bows, probably not going to be good. The heavy crossbow is probably good. So That's Bork, though. Yeah, I know. We kind of need that, don't need we? Bork. Dude, I love this. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Isley's okay. got a long bow. Okay. Okay. Um, Isley, to me. Yes, Captain Finch? Okay, so we have uh, we have uncovered some new evidence about... The prisoner, okay. and apparently a thieves' guild that has extorted him into the predicament he is now in. He is going to lead us to them. I would like to keep someone in the tower at all times, and with your longbow experience, I am choosing you. Please go relieve Sergeant Hector and tell him to come down here. I can do that. Thank you. And she rushes out the front door. I'll call over uh, the other cadets. Okay. And then I'm just waiting on Hector. We should get the prisoner out and prep him for the journey, right? Yes, I suppose uh, it's not the worst idea. Uh, Billy, Groon, go down and get Mikey out of the cell. Get him a bowl of stew. And make sure his ankle's good to walk on. All right. I mean, I can, I can change the bandages, but... Change the bandages. Keep an eye on him. Don't, uh, don't underestimate him. Should I get him a crutch? Not yet. Okay. And uh, Groon and Billy both walk down the stairs with a bowl of soup, stew, and I want another bowl. All right. <laughs> yeah, there's a big old like a big pot. Just okay. On this, I will help myself to another bowl. All right. As Sergeant Hector is walking into the room, into the common room from the front door, uh, Groon and Billy both are coming upstairs, and they're kind of helping Mikey up. Does the Mikey guy really seem to be struggling to walk? Like he might yeah. need a crutch. Yeah. Sit him down at the table. Groon, get him a bowl. Billy, go ahead and get him the crutch. All right. And he sits down at the table with the bowl that they took down to the cellar. And uh, he starts to eat. And then Billy comes back from like downstairs with like a broomstick. And he's kind of like 
taken some rope and twine and made a crutch out of it, basically. Cool. He's resourceful. Yeah. I like that. I like that, too. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> okay, and Hector's here now? Yeah. All right, everyone gather around. Mikey, where are you taking us? It's outside the city walls of Neucalia. Is that far? It's across the river because you're on the Indian side of the riverbank. It's Neucalia is the city that the Rodanians have made. Okay, but he's actually not inside the city of Rodana, which is probably good. For but me. we have to go through well, it, the, though, right? The city's called Neucalia, C-A-L-L-I-A. Mm-hmm. He's saying that it's outside the walls of Neucalia. So as in we don't need to go into Neucalia. Correct. Perfect. And like, okay, Goner, Hector, Grun, Billy, Bork, and Dorothy, if you so choose, to join. Oh, I so choose. <laughs> we are going to help Mikey along the way to showing us where these thieves come from, and we will uh, we will put a stop to this tonight. Yeah! yeah! All right, when do we go? I guess I'll look at Mikey's bowl, see how far he's gotten. He's like halfway done. Hurry it up, thief. We don't have much more time. Oh, okay. I'll... You like start slurping. <laughs> and then I just like everyone start getting like pack. I'll start packing up my stuff, getting like gear ready, buttoning up my leather or what have you. And Okay. Yeah, they're all like strapping gear on and donning armor. While everyone's doing that, I want to use sleight of hand to put one of the gems in my po- or one of the rubies in my pocket. Okay. Uh, yeah, give me a sleight of hand check, and I guess Finch, give me a perception check with advantage, because the we'll give that to you for the cadets and everything. First one's done. Mm, second one's a 17. I also got a 17. Ooh. Defender wins, so Doroth wins. Or wait, no, Finch yeah, is a defender, is defender here. Defender? Okay. All right, so Finch, you see it out of the corner of your eye? It's up to you how you want to react. I'm just going to lock eyes really hard with Doroth. I want to smile and put my finger up to my mouth, like, shh. And where are the other ones still? Uh, the other five are still on the counter. I want to just mouth, who knows. Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to kind of assume that I'm not, maybe I should bring the rubies with us. No, no. I feel like that's dangerous. Because they told him to take it. He's bringing it back. Hold on. Here we go. Don't this, be is what a, I'm, this is what I'm uh, supposed okay. to do, man. All right. Okay. Even we're taking it. Odd. We're leaving it. I'm going to brush all the, the rubies back into the bag and then just leave it on the middle of the table. Or actually, you know what? No. Then I'm going to go into my office and put it in like a drawer of my desk. Okay. Sounds good. But I do still have one in my pocket, right? Yeah, he Dora still has one, but he knows that I know. Yes. And I want to be very <laughs> weary of that until I know what happens to it. Like, all right. That's going to kind of have me on edge a little bit, but I also kind of trust him and feel like he's definitely helped a lot in this situation so sure. i'm gonna let him hold on to it cool um so y'all heading out now yeah we'll kind of i kind of like to picture maybe he's still trying to take the last like spoonful or two and i'm just gonna kind of grab him by like under his armpit and like stain him up and then shove like the quote-unquote crunch crutch into his armpit and oh okay i'm coming i'm coming come on come on and then uh I'm going to kind of walk away from him and just let one of the other cadets kind of take over with him. Cool. And y'all walk towards New Calia across the bridge. <clears throat> Dorothy here. Excuse me. I realize one of the spells I used didn't exactly work that way. But look, it was fun. It was chaotic. And look, that's all that matters. And if you care that much, and if you're nitpicking that much, 
you can, you, you can, you're not being very fun. Dorth out. As Mikey leads you through the outer market of Neucalia, he heads into the alley going along the outside of the city walls. You walk along the western wall for a minute and then down into a small ditch. A sewer grate of just metal bars sits under the wall. Mikey steps into the stagnant sewage water, walks up to the bars, and pulls three of them out after shaking them loose. All right, they're in here. Okay, uh, step on in. All right, am I free to go? How much further in are they? I, I don't know. This will be my first trip in here. Can I do some sort of check to see if I believe him? Uh, yeah, that would be an insight check. 13. You believe him. And they are expecting you? Yeah, I mean, they want me to bring the bag, so... And how many should we expect? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a thieves guild. It could be. How like, many have you like, encountered? Just one guy. No one else. Well, there was two bodyguards with him, but. So three guys. Three guys. All right, now take one more second and think real hard. Uh, about what? Well, you started with one, and then you remembered two well, more. Look, man, they came to my house. They asked for taxes, and this is what they offered me to do whenever I couldn't pay them. I was gonna kind of. Stare at him silently for a second. Wow, so. this is the first time I'm hearing this information. You're going to say, all right, just get out of here. Okay. Let him go. And uh, he, like, takes his crutch and just kind of walks back the way y'all came. Well, I'm certainly not going down there. Well, you are welcome to leave if you'd like, but we have no choice but to follow this path. I want to know what happens. You can stay in the middle. We'll lead the way. I'll go down there if someone helps me down. If someone what? Helps me down. Bork. Oh, yeah. Help my friend Doris. I want to turn to him and just hold my arms out. Uh, what, what do you want me to do? Help me into the ditch. Just like throw you in there? Put them on your shoulders. Oh, on my shoulders? And keep in mind the extra height that you will have. Be careful. Oh, okay. And he picks you up and he says, oh, wow, you're really light. <laughs> You're like one you're like one pound or something. Why do people keep saying that? <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll just start to lead the way. Okay, so uh, yeah, give me the marching order then. All right, I'm going to go first. I'm going to have Sergeant Hector behind me. No, then I want Connor behind me. Because Connor's lieutenant and he has a shield. And then uh, Cadet Groon. Cadet Bork with Doroth riding on his shoulders. Cadet Billy. And Sergeant Hector following at the end. All right. You walk into the sewer tunnel, and the first thing you notice is the stench. It's almost completely unbearable. But the two of you with the five cadets move forward. Give me uh, perception checks. 19. 18. All right. So as you're walking through and just kind of sludging through this muck below, Finch, you stop just in time before you hit a tripwire. Halt! And like throw my arms out to the sides. Did Everyone I, stops. Did I see it? Yeah. I want to take my rapier out and point to it. Tripwire! And this was about 30 feet from the entrance. It's just barely possible for you to see it, Finch, because of no dark vision for you. Do I know if any of my people have dark vision? Uh, you know that Keth does, so you assume that Bork does. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna call out her like, Bork! Do you have night vision? Yeah, I can, I can see in the dark. All right. Um, everyone drop back a peg. Let Bork and Dorth make their way to the front next to me. Oh, oh okay. 
And, uh, you know, like, how well can you see this tripwire? I can see it real clear. It's almost white in this darkness. All right, Bork, you're going to be the one leading the way now. Whenever you come to something like this, make sure that you stop, let us all know, and then point it out so that we can all cross. I don't want to make any, uh, I don't want to light any coins or torches in case they could see the light. All right, I can do that. And he steps over the tripwire and he says, all right, watch for that one. <laughs> all right, stay next to it for us until we all get across. Oh, okay. And, point, and keep pointing it out. So each one of you kind of walk and step over it without touching the uh, tripwire. And as soon as every one of you are over, give me perception checks again. 13. 22. Doroth, you hear a familiar sound. It's a sound that you've heard a lot from Finch over the course of the last couple months. It's the like cocking of a crossbow. What was that? What was what? Uh, sounds like a crossbow? And then bolts shoot from deeper inside the tunnel, shooting at all of you. Oh. Uh, so Doroth, that's gonna be an 11 for you. Did I miss? Oh, yeah. And then for you, Finch, that's gonna be a 15. Ooh, fuck. <clears throat> no, that's not a hit. Oh, I have a AC of 15. Okay, then you win. But not just two bolts. Like, this is like a volley of bolts are shot at you. Bork gets hit, and Hector gets hit, and then Connor jumps ahead of you all with a shield trying to block bolts because another volley is immediately shot after. But a lot of the bolts just hit the shield or bounce off the walls. Uh, in a panic, give me a dexterity save. 19. But Cadet Groon in his panic falls back and hits the tripwire. A hidden gate falls from above, trapping y'all in between the bolts and yourselves. Give me initiatives. Hey, companions. Sorry I missed last week's release. I got hit with the flu and was out for like the whole week. But we're back and continuing on with the arc. We have a couple more episodes of Yin and Doubt lined up. And so far, this may be my new favorite story arc. But we're doing a new thing over on our Reddit that I want to tell you about. Where every episode we will release discussion posts. A spoiler-free one and a spoiler one. So head on over to our subreddit. It's www.reddit.com slash r slash four orbs. And discuss the episode with us. We'd love to talk about it. Tell, tell us what your theories are, your mysteries, what your favorite parts were, blah, 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 blah. It's just a way for us to kind of talk to you. Also, we're lining up some live events, so stay tuned. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the story. I know you're eager to hear what's happening next. Astra, we need to talk. It's almost midnight when Fasush meets you at your front door with Avidlar. The small halfling lady that led you to this place when you first entered Mithron is wearing a blend of dark purple and blue fabrics that twinkle in the moonlight. When you look at her soft face, you can tell that she has put a lot of pressure on herself with some sort of physical work recently. She seems exhausted, and Avidlar may have been helping based on his current condition. His fingers have decayed mostly to bone from what you can see sticking out from his sleeves. It looks like he may have lost some fingers since the last time you saw him, too. Can can you come outside for a moment? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't think anybody will miss me. What's what's going on? Well, 
It seems we need you to further our study of the Kilnar scrying sphere. Avidlar tells me you have a link of raw divination magic with your mouse oystrich. Have you learned how to harness that yet? Uh, I'm I'm still working on that. Okay. Well, Avidlar thinks he can teach you, but it could put a stress on you and oystrich. I don't know if the two of you can handle it. I, I would do it myself, but I can't seem to feel the presence of Felomir. And that, and that's that's who we need to find Felomir. Your raw power can maybe show you where to find Felomir. How, how would I do that? Well, that's something Ovid Lar can teach you. Maybe we can do a training session like tomorrow or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to try anything that will help. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know where Felomir is. He's he's no longer here in Yin. He's been gone. He's been gone for several weeks. I can't I can't feel him anymore. Then you could fill him before? Yeah, I can. I mean, I, I know the presence of everyone here in Yin. I mean, I can tell you where the king is. Have we seen, um, we haven't seen, like, any of our friends. It's just been me and Kath, right? Yeah. Everybody else is okay, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Doroth and Finch are doing their own things right now. Uh, it looks like Finch is currently up in the outpost watching from across the river. But, you know, y'all are there. Y'all, everybody seems to be fine. Keth, you uh, get to the top of the stairs to go down to find Astra, and you see her silhouette outside the front door behind like the stained glass. I'll trot down the store, the stairs and open the door. Hey, Astra, something weird's going on outside. Uh, as you open the door, Keth, you see Fasush and Ovid Lar standing there talking to Astra. She looks at you, Keth, in kind of like a weird way, and then looks back at you, Astra, and says, We'll, we'll come back when we are ready for you. And then she like quickly starts to walk away. What's all this about? Wait, wait. We'll, we'll talk tomorrow, Astra. Uh, okay. And then Avidlar kind of shrugs at y'all and then starts to follow. Okay, I'll just give him one last glance and... What's uh, Fasush and the dead guy doing here? Uh, I don't, I don't know. They said they needed help trying to find Felomir. They were going to see if I could... Me and Oystrich could help, but she... I don't know, she's being super weird. Oh, yeah, they're they're... Both really weird, if you ask me. And she doesn't even like Felomir. Why is she looking for him? I don't know. Um, why did why did you rush out here? What's going on? Oh, oh yeah, I saw something weird out here. Did you did you see anyone weird out here aside from those two? Did I notice anything weird? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, no. Well, there was someone lurking around the lake, and they they poured something in it, some sort of bright green substance. That's odd. What happened? They just sat there for a minute, and then they walked away. Do you know, did you get a good look? Do you know who it is? It was too far away. Hmm. I got dark vision, but it's not that good. Is there anything significant about the lake? It's just the lake that kind of sits in between all the manors. Like, it's kind of the rich people area of Yen. Uh, that's kind of a weird thing to do. Should we go check it out? Yeah, I think so. Let's see what's going on. You head over to Lake Vias on the north shore of it because you're like on the southwestern shore of the lake and you saw him across on the north side. And Keth, give me a investigation check to try and determine the specific location where he was standing. Five. So you think you found the exact spot? And so the two of you are standing on the edge looking into the water to see if you see anything, but it looks normal. You don't see any kind of bright green liquid or anything in the water. Yeah, he was right here, right where we're standing. Are you sure this is the spot? I don't see any green liquid. Well, it it sank. 
Um, are there any like sticks laying around? Yeah, there's reeds kind of sticking up along the shore. Okay, I'm just gonna grab one and break it off and kind of stick it in the water and see if anything happens. Okay, yeah. So you you kind of poke it into the water and you see like the loose mud below through the clear lake water and you see like tadpoles dancing around each other and then like there's a couple of ducks just a few feet away on the shoreline that are curled up sleeping. It it feels like the same peaceful serenity you were feeling when sitting on the balcony of your manor. But then you hear something. You hear the cycling and spinning of wind. You look out into the water about 30 feet away to see like a small water spout spinning upwards. And a mist of water sprays in the cycles and makes you shield your eyes for a moment. When you look back, you see water morphing into the cyclone and it rushes towards you. Give me initiatives. Oh, fuck. I ain't got no weapons. First up is Keth. All right. Set the scene for me again. There is a water elemental hovering above the the surface of the water, and it's rushing towards you about 30 feet away. It's a large, large tidal wave basically coming towards you. Dostor, get back! And I'm going to grab her and just try to run back away from the shore. Okay. So you just want to grab her and run back 35 feet, whatever your movement speed is? 40 feet. 40 feet. But yeah. Okay, so you take hold of her and just kind of pick her up without giving her any warning. And uh, I'm assuming you don't want to raise this down here. Yeah, I'll go. Okay. And you carry her back 40 feet and put her on her feet. Astra, your turn. The water elemental is now 70 feet away. Okay, and how far um, are we away from the manor? We're pretty far away. Yeah. Like... Okay. A sacred flame, a touch. No, that's a dexterity save. Yeah. And it's ranged. I don't know the range of it, though. It's two, uh, 60 feet. You can move forward 10 feet and hit him with that, or you can ready it. Okay, I'm going to ready it and um, cast Gust of Wind. Okay, you can't do both. Okay. Uh, you want to So you want to cast Gust of Wind? Yes, I will cast Gust of Wind. Okay. And what's the range of Gust of Wind? 60 feet. So I will step forward 10 feet. And then do Gust of Wind? Yes. All right. So you step forward 10 feet and cast Gust of Wind. He starts his turn inside the gust right at the end. So do a strength save. Is that right? Yes. I got a 12. Against my DC would be 14. All right. So that means he's knocked back. So 10 foot wide blast, uh, strength save, or pushed 15 feet away. All right. So he pushes, he gets pushed back an additional 15 feet from where, like the edge of your gust of wind. So now he's 75 feet away. And on his turn, he rushes towards you. He covers all of the water distance uh, by just kind of like dodging to the side of your gust of wind. Then he gets onto shore and moves about 10 feet closer. So he's now 20 feet from you, Astra, and 30 from you, Keth. And it is your turn, Keth. All right, I'm going to look around and see if there's anything that I could use as an an improvised weapon. All right, uh, give me a investigation check or let's do perception. I've got my staff that I obviously can't use. (laughs) Seven. (laughs) 
<laughs> you look around like at the manors that are close to you and you don't see anything in the dark, but you do see Astra's staff that she's holding in her offhand. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to yank the staff out of her hand again and run up to the elemental and, and smack him a couple times. All right. So give me an attack with the staff. 21. 21's a hit. And a crit miss. Crit miss is a miss. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the damage on your staff? Oh, it's, um. I don't know if this matters, but attack bonus is plus four. One hand is uh 1d8 plus one. 1d6 so yeah, if you're doing, plus one. If you're doing two hands with one hit, it would be 1d8. Seven. You run up with the staff, take, uh, yanking it out of Astra's hand, screaming, give me that. And uh, you just do like one big whack with it, like holding it from one edge of the staff. And then you try to swing back, but you just like completely miss, like losing footing. Astra, your turn. Um, I'm just going to move the gust of wind to wherever he is. Okay. And kind of like move yourself to where like Keth's not in the gust of wind as well. Correct. Okay. And I'm going to do sacred flame. All right. Because yeah, gust of wind's your bonus action, moving that with your bonus action, keeping concentration, and you're going to cast sacred flame with your main action so uh that's a con save for him yeah or dexterity save. Uh, dexterity sorry he got a five so i'm assuming that you win on that one it's against my spell dc yeah yeah um that is six damage six damage six radiant damage or wait do i use my spell attack bonus no okay yeah with that one they just do a dexterity save against it. okay that's why it's good against high armored enemies Astra, you cast Sacred Flame, and radiant light just kind of pierces through the clouds above and shoots down from the sky, sizzling and boiling the water on this elemental. And then he takes a big swipe with his right arm at you, Keth. Does a 17 hit? No. All right. You you dodge just underneath his arm, and you like feel like water kind of spray all over you just from the residue of his swipe. But he gets multi attack, so he's gonna try another slam on you. And this is a twenty five. That's definitely a hit for eleven bludgeoning damage. After he hits you with the with his arm, he goes. And what language is that? What languages do you know? Common and undercommon. You, that was not common or undercommon? Uh, rage. All right. And then I'll smack him two more times. All right. 13. That's a miss. And a 10. That's also a miss. You do make contact with each swipe of the staff, but it seems like the waves within him seems to just kind of propel that the staff away, not knocking any of the water off of him. Astra, your turn. I'm going to keep my guess of one concentrated and on him okay move it if he moved and um i will cast fireball okay uh do you want to try and position that to where it doesn't hit Kath? yes okay uh so you aim the fireball towards an area that would have the blast basically not touch Kath. uh give me a or he does a dexterity save is that right yep and his dexterity save is an 11. 11 against my 14 DC. So you can roll damage for the fire. Six. Six plus six. Plus eight. Plus eight. 28 fire damage as you cast this exploding fireball behind him to avoid letting it hit Cat. And the explosion that occurs makes the water elemental kind of explode itself. And then it kind of reforms himself right in front of Cat again. And as he tries to recover from the fireball, morphing himself back, 
you use your gust of wind to try to like keep him in that form and not let him morph back. But this time he succeeds on his strength save and he forms himself again. He rushes forward in between the both of you and because he's a large creature, he can reach like the 10 feet between you and he tries to grapple both of you. Give me athletics checks, each of you. I got advantage. 12. 19. And both of you feel the water kind of engulf around you, but you break free and step back five feet and he stands there in the center of you and then this time, instead of like that guttural speak he was just doing, he tries to seem to make common happen. What is this poison you spill into my lake? And then he tries to attack you again. Uh, Keth, it's your turn, though. Since I'm enraged, I'm going to keep hitting him and say, I didn't spill nothing in your lake. 17. That's a hit. And a 25. That's also a hit. 22. You take the staff and like... With one, with one end of it, you swipe it like, like a huge arc hitting it in the head. And then as you bring it back to you, you take it with like center fold, like having two hands on it like a bench press. And you just slam it into his chest with the center of the staff. And uh, you actually like hit him so hard, he kind of like the, the water spreads out enough to where he kind of loses balance. And he falls back onto his hill. And Astro, it's your turn. We didn't do this. We were trying to help you and figure out what's going on and who poured this <laughs> substance in here. <laughs> and I would like to like try to reason with him so that we don't have to keep fighting. So do you want to not attack him? Yeah. Okay. Uh, did, did he like fall down? No, he didn't fall. He's just kind of like the force of Keth's impact just kind of knocked him back a little bit. Uh, so you're delaying? Yes. Okay. Uh, he tries to attack you again. Okay. Uh, this time between both of you, he tries to do one arm at each. And Astra, that's going to be a 24. That hits. And then Keth, a 14. Nope. 13 damage, Astra. Fuck this dude. He uh, takes his fist and just kind of does like backhands against both of you because he's in between both of you. Keth, you easily dodge and again, you feel just like a cool water kind of spread across the top of you. But Astra, you get hit with the wave that is the arm and it knocks you back about five feet and you take the 13 damage. And then he says, I don't trust any of you anymore. I will take you. No, I will take you. Hit him a couple more times. Uh, 26. 26 hits. 13. You swipe at him once and like the edge of the staff just kind of scrapes across the surface of his body. And then like you bring it back real quick and hit him across like his abdomen. And a huge gush of water just kind of comes off of him and like hits the ground and creates like a little puddle basically. And then Astro, your turn. I cast Sacred Flame. All right. Uh, he does a dexterity save. And that's going to be a six. So the damage. Seven plus five. As you bring another ray of light from the sky and you sizzle him up, he kind of falls back onto like what would be prone for him probably, which is basically just like a, a blob of water on the ground. And it's he starts to kind of like move towards the shore. <laughs> I yield. I yield. I'll just go back to my lake. Yeah, that's right. You better run. I'll be back if you keep poisoning me. Hold on. Hold on. Did you see who did it? It was you. It wasn't us. We were trying to help. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. 
And I'll uh, slowly come out of my rage. And okay. <sighs> For the last time, we didn't do it. Well, if someone is and it's killing my children. Who are your children? They're like me, but smaller. So there's a bunch of you in the lake? Yes, we reside there. We've lived here for months and I never knew that. Well, it was recently they started poisoning us. Wait, they've done it before? You know, just in the last couple of days. So, multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Not the same voice at all. <laughs> well, now he's weakened. It's different. Oh, yeah, sure. That's just hilarious. I feel his um, pain. I cast Cure yeah, Wounds no, I... so I can understand what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> you cast Cure Wounds. Does, is he a, con- a construct? No. Is that the only thing it doesn't work against? It says um, the spell has no effect on undead or constructs. When I think constructs, I think just like robots yeah. or technology. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Yeah, you cast Cure Wounds. Give me the healing. It's 1d8 plus your spell casting ability modifier. You, one Cure Wounds for you is 1d8 plus 5 total, I think. I think we wrote that somewhere. 1d8 plus 5, correct. All right, so you walk up to him. He says, no, stay away, stay away. And you ca- and you kind of just don't listen to him, and you put your hand just kind of like in the surface of the water that is his, is his body, and you cast, and you heal him for six HP. He says, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Splooging. Gross. And it kind of does like rejuvenate him a little bit, and he kind of like starts to morph himself back into more of a body-like thing. And he says, "Well, maybe you aren't so bad after all." It's what we've been trying to tell you. Now come back to your lake so you can recover. And now tell us who's behind this. What do they look like? Well, I don't just recover because I'm in water. I'm a being like you. But you're made up of water. Yeah, but I'm just... not just gonna soak in all the other water. Why not? This is not how it works for me. Just drink it. Okay, or we're getting off. Uh, you just drink it. Here. <laughs> oh Your mother. So did, <laughs> did maybe any of your children or anybody else that you know see who might have done this? I mean, I saw him, but he looks like you. Right, so like a, a human or... Yes. We look a lot not alike. We look very different. Well, you have flesh and arms and a head and legs. Um, did he have a, any defining features? I think I'm colorblind. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> he thinks. Oh no. Uh, okay. Someone try and describe color well... to him. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go buy you those glasses real quick. This is my new favorite. We're gonna do a video. (laughs) Uh, So I mean, like, I have I have hair. Did he have like long hair, short hair? Short hair. Okay. Uh, Do you do you did you see what he was wearing? Maybe. Do you know what clothes are? These things. Yes, he was wearing clothes. Uh, (laughs) What what kind of clothes? Not necessarily color, but did, did it. Were they baggy? Were they... Baggy, yes. Like robes? The stone man. Robes, yes. <laughs> like like this. Story. <laughs> yeah, like, like shimmy. Like was, what you're wearing. Was he wearing a top hat? 
No. Okay, I just had to make sure that he didn't agree to everything I said. <laughs> I don't know what a top hat is, but he only had hair on okay, his head. Okay, okay. Mm. So you said they came back the last night, too? His hair also wrapped around his face. Okay, so he had some fa- facial hair? He had face hair, yes. Okay. Um, was it long? Yes. Was it dark or light in appearance? Light. Okay. Did he look l- to be older? What is old? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when when uh, we Is it get... the opposite of young? Yes. My children are young. Yes. I am old. Do you have he wrinkles? He is older. Okay. Wrinkles? Yes. There's ripples in my water. Okay. Is that a sign of aging? No, we just ripple. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, in, in humans, we, we tend to wrinkle as we get older, maybe. When things touch me, they ripple. Okay. It creates ripples. All right. Um, <laughs> um, All right. What, what about his ears? Did you see his ears? These things? And I'll tug at my ear. Yes. Were they pointy? Were they rounded? Were they like hers? Or were they like mine? Were they... Rounded. Okay. Rounded. Okay. So probably a human. Um, were they carrying any kind of weapon on them? A staff like what you carry. Oh, yeah. Here, here you go. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can just keep that on. um i'll take it back cool did you see what which way they went away from here Mm, any general direction like towards the land or directly that way any points north because you're on the north shore and how long ago is this an hour what is time (laughs) (laughs) time why explain sometimes people throw trash in the water so, <laughs> will you stop them from poisoning my children? That's what we're trying to do. You said it, they've done it before. When did they do it? Do they do it every night? It seems like every night. The same time? Yes. That's so odd. What what happens? It kills my children. Do you just keep having children <laughs> every day? I have hundreds of children. Okay. Some um, small, some large. What about it- some just water? All right. Is it only affecting the immediate area that they pour it in? No, it sinks to the bottom of the lake. Yes, and then does it spread from there? Yes. Okay. Throughout the entire lake? If my children play, it creates ripples and waves in the water. (laughs) It spreads the liquid out more. What about the fish? Is it making them sick? No. No, just just the elementals? Yes. Hmm. Do you know, is there anyone that doesn't like you? I have not shown my face here in some time. I don't know if anyone knows I'm here. Okay, I'm just going to lean over to Kath. I, th- I think we're wasting our time. Uh, maybe we should just go after this guy. I, I'm not deaf still. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know what the concept of time is, so... But I also don't have emotions, so you did not just hurt my feelings. <laughs> All right, well, I think we've uh, we've got enough information. Um, if you need more... We know where to find you. I will not come out again. Okay. Well, what if, what if he comes back? What if, why don't you attack him? Are you going to attack us and not attack him? That's a fair question. I thought I was attacking him whenever I attacked you two. Yeah, but clearly we weren't him because we're two people. Well, I wasn't standing guard <laughs> or anything. I was just watching television with my children at the bottom of the lake. What's television? <laughs> Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. 
doesn't know what time is doesn't know and it doesn't it's colorblind but he loves friends it's time what time everyone <laughs> the, whole, the whole fight wouldn't have happened if you were just like they were on a break like, i know it was commercial i came to check out the nuisance that was happening <laughs> I didn't attack him because I wasn't ready to. I was at the bottom of the lake, and as soon as I came up here, you two were here. Do you think he'll be back tomorrow? Night? Yeah, I guess so, if it happens around the same time. Um, I mean, it might be too late to go after him. Maybe we should just keep an eye out. Um, maybe, like, mark this somehow so that we'll know exactly where he's coming. If it's the same place every night. What What is in the general direction that he pointed out just like manors and houses like it's basically a rich suburb surrounding this lake so he ran into like the city area i mean there's houses all along the bank of this lake your manors along the side like the side of the the lake but we're on the other side but they're surrounding the entire lake okay that's what i wanted to know um i guess i'll look around that direction to see if i can find like some footprints or something uh sure give me uh Give me, I guess, investigation check. Or should it be survival? I don't know what tracking is. Tracking is survival. All right, give me if survival you're looking check. for, like, footprints and shit like that. 12. Can I assist him? Sure. 12. <laughs> All right. So you'll kind of look around the area, and, as, and because you assumed you're in the spot where he was... Um, all you really kind of see is a mess of the fight y'all just had, so you don't have any footprints to follow. All right. I think this is what we should do. We should wait until the next night. Tomorrow night. We wait till tomorrow night and we spring a trap. You too. What is your name? <laughs> Zoldar. Zoldar, you be ready. Okay. I will try. Right after I love Lucy. Okay. Be here. <laughs> I love that Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> and Ethel too. Fred's whatever. Why doesn't Lucy just chill? (laughs) (laughs) That episode where she eats all those chocolates. You know it messed up her stomach. What was it? Vita Vito Vegemin? (laughs) Classic. (laughs) They're gone. (laughs) He's still just staring. He just slowly, like, inch by inch, goes back into the lake. (laughs) So, So, you are the great old one. I am. In the flesh. I am. It is, it is an honor to meet you. And I'll, like, I don't know, kneel or something. I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, is there, like, a normal mannerism or greeting that we have? Is... I mean, do you know other warlocks? Do you know no. anyone that's ever met the great old one? No. Well, I'll kneel, because that's what people do. Okay. So you kneel, and he says, Oh, no. No need for that. I wouldn't give you the gifts if I didn't think you deserved it. I'll stand back up quickly. Well, uh, what are you doing here? Well, kind of the opposite of what I just said. I'm kind of shocked of where you've taken yourself. This journey you've put yourself on. What do you mean? I'm, I'm doing what I set out to do. I'm trying to find the arcane well and restore it. Yes, but that wasn't your immediate goal back on Lithensis. I took Aaron's life because of what y'all were getting close to. It's been so long. I just, I don't, I don't quite remember. Well, then let me take you back to that day. Walk with me. 
Uh, all right, lead the way. As you take a few steps with Remora, you travel at the speed of light out of this library, through darkness, across the ocean, and to the shores of Lathansis. This is all very real to you, Felomir. In just 10 steps, you have made it to the shore of Lathansis. The scent of the sea, the mist of the ocean, the coarse sand slipping through your sandals, all of this is very real and does not appear to be a dream. He walks about 10 spaces towards the forest at the end of the beach and looks back to you. Well, are you coming? I'm just sort of standing there in amazement. It's Lathansis. Yes. How did we get here? I brought you here. I'll just like sort of like stumble a little a little bit towards him, just in utter shock. As you pass into the woodland, your steps are fast forwarded again across a distance that seems miles with your few steps. The distance shortens quickly as you find yourself following Remora into a clearing. A giant greenwood tree stands in front of you, and Remora stops about a hundred feet away from it. You walk up and stand next to him. He stares forward as your mind tries to gather what is happening and where you are. And then it clicks for you as you see your younger, healthy-looking self walk up to the tree. You look back at Remora, who is still just staring forward. You see your past self pull on twine hidden in the bark of the tree, revealing a secret door going into the tree. Remora then turns to you. This is the day you found him. Almost a year ago today. The day you found your friend Aaron dead with a white stone in his frozen hand. Aaron. I forgot about him. Yes, you have. It's starting to come back. I do remember this day. And this tree. Your curiosity led me to believe you would linger on this, but your greed for the arcane led you elsewhere. He finally turns from his forward stare and looks at you. Why is that? What makes you prioritize this arcane well over you and your friend's research to make the fifth orb? Well, it was... I don't remember the details, but I know I set off for the arcane well just for the the greater good. It seemed like it would be something that would benefit many people. And I don't hinder you for that. Your path is your decision. Fate is in your hands. I'm not here to tell you what you should or should not do. I decide on who should be one of my seekers based on their decision. Not if they are willing to do what I say. I'm not your leader. I gift my powers to those I deem worthy. But the quest you have decided on was not what I assumed it would be. And now I question if you even deserve my gifts. I, I don't understand. I, how, how have I made a bad decision in my search for the well? It's not that you've made a bad decision. As I said, it's your fate, your decision, your quest, your life. But it's not why I gave you the gifts that I've given you. Why did you give them to me? I assumed you'd find the evidence with Aaron and move towards that fifth orb creation. You see your past self open the secret door and exit out of the tree with a piece of parchment in hand. You head north towards what you know is your home, your tribe, the Nailodin tribe. Remora then speaks. Your focus being on the Arcane Well, it may not have been part of my plan, but I do need you to show me it is worth it. I need you to bring balance to this land to make up for what you wrought to your homeland. He turns away, back towards where you came from, towards the beach. You have two days, and as he takes a few steps forward, you see him fade out of existence. He's left you here. Time moves forward with every step. You turn back to the greenwood tree to see it slowly becoming frozen as frost builds up from the roots to the branches above. The grass and dirt at the base of the tree ices over, and eventually everything you can see in the area, every tree, bush, and stone, freezes over. 
And as time seems to return to normal, you hear a roar resonate from inside the frozen greenwood tree. guys finch here uh thanks for listening um you know if you want to follow us and see any more of the other cool things we like to do you can find us at twitter at four orbs you can find us at facebook.com slash four orbs reddit slash r slash four orbs instagram at four orbs and you know if you even want to give us a buck or two we might mention your name and you can do that at patreon.com slash four orbs and we always appreciate a great review in iTunes. Thanks. See you next time. Lieutenant Connor walks over from the common room. He says, Hey, hey, hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, what, what? It's a me, Hector. <laughs> I went what with you it. What's going on gonna, about it? I was going to go for it. <laughs> Bring the, the magic healing broad in here. <laughs> What's with these flaming rubies you got? <laughs> oh, man. You already thought of it. That's what he sounds like. That <laughs> that, that's what he sounds like. Just maybe that a little more subtle. <laughs>